journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shalom, shalom, Shavua Tov, and an Erev Rosh Chodesh Tov. We are about to um, enter into the month of Adar, a beautiful month. In fact, we have two Adars this year. It is a leap year, so we have a double measure of joy. So wishing everybody a beautiful week ahead and, of course, a beautiful month ahead. May we see many, many miracles and may we find our joy. Welcome to Chai FM, and um, I'm very excited to be with you for the next three quarters of an hour where we are journeying through the Bible and we are looking at the book of Genesis as we do every single week on a Monday. We are on chapter 37. Can you believe it, peeps? We have learned 37 chapters of Chumash together. We're in the middle of Parshat Vayeshev, and we are looking uh, and following the story of Joseph and his son. I mean, Joseph and his brothers, Yaakov and his sons. Joseph and his brothers. And we're at the very um, sad but dramatic point where uh, Joseph is going to be thrown, so to speak, out of the camp of his brothers. And in fact, from a divine providence uh, point of view, he is now going to initiate and start what will then be um, 210 years of slavery in Egypt. So where we left off last week was that, the, that he was told by his father to go look for his brothers. He arrives in Shechem. He cannot find them. He bumps into the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says, no, they went to a place called Dotan. And so Yosef goes after it. Yosef Achar Echav. He goes after his brothers by Yimtsaem Dotan. And he, in fact, finds them in Dotan. So now we are going to start on chapter 37, as I said, and we are going to look at verse 18. So have a Bible in front, uh, open in front of you, have a, a Chumash open in front of you, because it is quite fascinating that when we're look, looking in the original, we actually um, see things that we don't see just in a translation. Vayiru otomerachok. They saw him from a distance. The brothers saw that Yosef was coming. But before he even approached them, they were already conspiring to kill them, to kill him. So we know that they initially wanted just to be rid of him. They were sick and tired of his dreams and they were motivated by jealousy, they were motivated by hatred, and they didn't want to hear any more of what they, they believed as absolute nonsense. And what they actually did, says the Midrash, is that they did attempt to kill him. And how did they do that? They set out, set their huge sheepdogs out to attack Yosef uh, jo- uh, because they thought that that would be an appropriate punishment if the sheepdogs killed Yosef. It would fulfill the adage that one who deserves slander deserves to be thrown to the dogs. That is a saying from our Torah, and they wanted that to happen because that would have been the punishment that uh, Yosef needed for slandering to their father. 
Um, and also, if you recall, Yosef went and tittle-tailed on them and said that they were eating flesh from a living creature, which in fact was not true. So his punishment would fit the crime, um, and Joseph would be eaten alive, just like the excuse he gave about them eating alive an animal. But alas, even though they carried out the plan, Joseph managed to emerge unharmed. So their plan did not work, and they did not know what to do. So what happens? By Yomer Ish Elechav, one man says to the other, Hinei Baal HaChalomot Halazeh. Here, look, here comes this dreamer. Ve'ata, and now, lechu v'nahargehu, let us go and kill him. V'nashlichehu be'echad haborot, and let's throw him into one of the pits. Ve'amarnu chaya ra'a achatu, we will say that a wild beast devoured him. V'nire ma'yechalumotav, and we can then see what will become of his dreams. Now, who is Ish El Achiv? Say one man to another. Well, the only time we get that saying is that um, it is the um, that Shimon is to Levi, because that's when we saw when it came to Shem that the same um, words were said. Shimon and Levi spoke up. Okay, they were always the guys that were plotting together. And basically, they were saying, look, here comes what? Baal HaChalomot, the Baal of dreams. Now, Baal doesn't only mean a master of dreams. It also can mean a Baal, which was a type of Canaanite deity. Okay? And basically, what they were referring to as Joseph being the Baal of dreams it was a, they were alluding that down the line, one of Yosef's descendants would be a king by the name of King Jeroboam, and he would cause Israel to worship the idolatrous Baal. So they went and said, well, let's see what will become of their dreams, meaning, okay, um, let's see who, 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 what, who is going to come, what is going to come true. Is, is it in fact that Yosef, whatever he has prophesied, will come true, or in fact they, they are, they are correct? Now, just as a point here, and um, there are four prescribed methods of execution in the Torah. You can either die through stoning, burning, decapitation, or strangulation. And it says that the brothers actually cost lots to see which of these four they would use against Yosef. And they finally decided that they would throw him into one of the pits because throwing a person from a height, if somebody falls from a, a, a very high place, it's equivalent to stoning. And so they decided that he was destined to, um, to die with stoning. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. You're listening to Adel Kozulski. Right, we are looking at the verses 19 and 20 of chapter 37. And the first thing that we learned was that they were insinuating down the line that Yosef too would have a descendant that would be serving a Baal, a deity. 
and that they decided that he should die with stoning. And one of the ways that you die is that you can be thrown from a, a, a very high place. Now, I want you to see that it says, They threw him in one of the pits, which means there actually was more than one pit. Let's understand what that means. But in order to understand it, we need to continue looking inside. So, verse 21, Reuven heard this, he saved them from his hands. Let us not strike down a soul. So Reuben, the oldest brother, so to speak, comes to the rescue of Yosef. He says to the brothers, we can beat Yosef's body because he is alone and he will not be able to resist us, right? But if we kill him, if we physically kill him, all we will accomplish is that his soul will leave him. And we all know, according to Judaism, that the soul is immortal. It's indestructible. And we cannot harm it in any way. And more than that, not only that, if we kill him, we will severely be punished in the world to come. And that will affect our souls. So let's, let's not cause ourselves more harm than we cause him. That was his argument. We, 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 we can hurt his body, but we are not hurting his soul. But if we kill him, we are hurting our souls because we will be held liable for murder in the world to come. And that's why the Torah doesn't say, Lo nake nafesh, let us not strike down a soul. It says, Lo nakenu nefesh which means let us not cause harm to our own souls by the act that we're doing. What Ruven is saying here is vitally important. For every action, there is a reaction. We know that in Torah. We know that mitzvah goreret mitzvah, that one mitzvah will bring in, in its wake another mitzvah, that one avera, one bad deed, one good deed against Torah, Will be um, will bring in another bad deed um, in its wake, and the bottom line is is that sometimes we do not see, actually, probably many times we do not see the, that our actions have already created a reaction, but they do. Sometimes you have to wait until the world to come. Reuben was teaching us that there is a repercussion for us killing our brother, and whilst here in this world. It will mean that we've destroyed his body, not his soul. What, in fact, we are doing is we're destroying our souls or each and every single one of us. Reuben also um, figured another, a couple of other things. Number one, he was worried that if Joseph was harmed, later they would regret it. And who would they blame? They would blame him. Why? Because he was the oldest brother. He should have known the best out of all of them. And more than that, he wanted, actually, he had an intention to rescue Joseph, okay? Um, and it was a subtle, not subtle game, but subtle um, idea that he had in his head that actually made him shift. And what was that? If you remember that um, 
there was a point in time in Chumash that we spoke about where Ruvain moved the beds um, of his father out of Bila's tent into that of Leah. And from that he thought that he would be severely, severely punished and that he wouldn't, in fact, punish so badly that he wouldn't, in fact, be considered as one of the 12 tribes. But when he heard Yosef speak, Yosef was including him amongst the brothers when he said that 11 stars would bow down to him. So he kind of like owed Yosef a favor. If the dream was true, Yosef for sure could not be hated because that was a sign that God himself loved Yosef. And if it was false, he was showing gratitude to him by counting him amongst the tribes. And therefore, he felt that he had a responsibility to, uh, to, to, to save Yosef. So he intervenes now and he says, let's not have blood on our hands because we are going to end up being punished far more. Okay. And, um, let's, let's, let's do something else with him. Very interestingly, one other point before we move on, um, the verse says, and Ruvain heard. What did he hear? The Midrash comes and tells us that there is an opinion that Reuven wasn't actually with his brothers. Okay, he, every brother took a turn looking after Yaakov for a few days. Okay, and Reuven was on his way home um, because it was his chance. But he heard on the way um, that uh, the brothers were conspiring to try and kill him, so he rushed back. Um, and he tried to stop them. Now, again, every deed does not go un, un, unturned. And so the, the kindness um, that Ruven saw in Yosef, including him in the 12 tribes, precipitated him now repaying back the kindness. This is something, this is a lesson we learn when a person does a mitzvah. We need to recognize the mitzvah. We need to thank the person for the mitzvah. Um, because the, the mitzvah has more other um, repercussions, good repercussions in it. So Reuven continues and says to them now, like, let's not kill him. He says, Reuven says to them, dam. let's not commit bloodshed. Okay, let's just not commit murder. Hashlichu oto el habor hazeh. Let's throw him into this pit in the Asher B'midbar, that's in the desert. V'yad al tash l'chubo and l'man hitzilotom yadam l'hashivo el aviv. And let's not lay a hand on him. And what was his purpose? His purpose was that he would rescue Yosef from their hands later and he would bring them back to his father. Now, the pit that Reuben showed them was so deep that it really literally was impossible to escape from it. And since it was an uninhabited desert, Yosef could scream, no one would hear him, and he would ultimately die in the pit. And so what was Reuben thinking? Reuben was thinking, I'm not concerned with Yosef. I hate him as much as you do, but I don't want our hands sullied with blood. So don't lay a hand on him. But his real intent, his real intent was that he planned to remove him from the pit and return him to 
his father. So this was all discuss- discussions that were happening um, behind the scenes where where Yosef was coming towards them. Vayehi, and it was, and here the word Vayehi always means a bad thing. Kasheba Yosef el when Yosef came to his brothers, the Yashi too at Yosef, they um Yavshi too at Yosef et Kutanto, they um, stripped him of his coat, et Kutonet Hapasim Asher Alav, the long colored coat that he had on. Now, if we look at this verse, in fact, it's pretty interesting because why is there a repetition? It says, when Yosef came to his brothers, they stripped him of his coat, the long colorful coat that he had on. Okay, why, well, why are you saying you stripped him of his coat and the long colored coat that he had on? So, the Midrash again comes and teaches us that Yosef was, was in fact wearing his, uh, fancy coat. But he came very respectfully. Um, he came as an inferior, inferior towards his superiors. And what he had done was that he had, he knew his brothers hated him because of the, of his colored coat. And so he wore another coat over it so they could not see it. And therefore the Torah goes and says, they stripped him of his coat. That's the normal coat he was wearing. And then they stripped off the long colorful coat, long colorful coat that he had on. So they stripped him twice. And essentially they basically stripped him of everything, leaving him basically naked. Vayikahuhu, vayikahu. And they took him. They threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Now, again, um, what was interesting is that the pit was empty. If the pit was empty, obviously it did not contain water. An empty pit means an empty pit. So why is... The, the Torah telling us there was no water in it because says the Midrash there was other things in it what was in there snakes and scor- scorpions now these one these these pit um, these snakes and scorpions were not in the pit itself they were in the cracks and in the holes in its walls and besides remember we said the pit was so deep one couldn't see them from the top if the the brothers were aware of the were, were aware of the content of the pit, they would not have left him there. They would have realized that God was with Yosef, that God was protecting him from the snakes and scorpions, and that he did in fact have great merit. Um, and furthermore, we also can, we also will know that since Reuben wanted to rescue Yosef, he would never have let his brothers throw him into a pit that had such deadly creatures. So neither Ruvain nor the brothers were aware that this was a pit that was filled with snakes and scorpions. Okay? Um, and that's why the Torah says that the, he, the, the Torah says that the purpose of Ruvain was that he wanted 
to what? Laman hitil oto miyadam. He wanted to save Yosef from their hands, meaning he wanted to rescue them from at least their hands and bring them to their father alive. He would never ever have stuck him in a place where he would have been dead meat straight away. Now, I brought your attention that the Torah talks about a pit, meaning there was more than one pit. In fact, there were two pits, okay? Um, we are told that there actually were two pits. The brothers threw them, the one, threw them in the one pit. Later, the wall between them fell and they became one pit. But the one pit was full of stones and the other was full of snake, snakes. And initially, Ruben said, let's throw him into this pit in the desert. He was choosing the one that, that had no water, not the one that had all the snakes. Um, because um, because the brothers want, wanted to kill him and Ruben didn't. There is another illusion here. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. We know that there's a general rule that the Torah is likened to water because as water runs downhill, so Torah flows into a person who's lowly and humble. So what was, what is the Torah telling us over here? It's telling us here that the Torah, the Torah of the brothers were empty. Okay. They were not having in them any water of Torah, meaning they did not know that there is also an avera of kidnapping. If a, someone kidnaps a man and sells him, he shall be put to death. In fact, I think we read this now in Parashat Mishpatim, right? If they were aware of that, they would never have done what they did. Never. Okay? But they were not aware of that verse yet. And so they effectively kidnapped him and sold him. That's what it lands up transpiring. And therefore, um, they would have the death penalty. Now, if you also look at the word, okay, it's written without one vav. It should be written with the hu, hu, should be in chet vav, hey vav. But you can see that the chet has got a, a nukuda underneath it, meaning that we could read it by yikachehu, which means, and he took him. What does this come to teach us? It alludes to the fact that only one of the brothers actually took him and threw him into the pit, acting on behalf of all the others, and that, in fact, was Shimon. And later on, you will see that Yosef singles out Shimon for a special punishment. You can go forward in uh, chapter 42, but we'll, we'll wait until we get there. So, this entire throwing into the pit wasn't simple, okay? Um, there was a lot of dissension between the brothers, how they should kill them. Ruven comes and he um, intervenes. He has a different intention. He doesn't want them to have blood on their hands, um, and he wants to save Yosef. And really, at the end of the day, it's not the brothers that throw him into a pit, but in fact, the only one that lands up throwing him into the pit is Shimon. So they've thrown the guy into the pit. Yosef is, 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 has a lot of merit. The snakes and the scorpions aren't, aren't, aren't hurting him. Nevertheless, he's probably just sitting really with minimal clothing on in a dark, scary pit at the age of 18 years old. 
with his brothers having thrust him into that, well, his brother, Shimon, throwing him into the pit. Quite a scary scenario. They sit down to eat bread or to break bread. And they lift up their eyes. And they see, and behold, there is a Yishmaelite caravan coming from Gilad. They are carrying gum, balsam, and a substance called labdanum. And what are they doing with all of that? They are walking in order to go down to Egypt. So this Yishmaelite caravan is walking from Gilad down to um, Egypt with a whole lot of spices. Now here comes a third brother. Okay, a, a, another another opinion is is coming in, um, and it is Yehuda. So now we've got a third opinion that we are going to learn about. IFM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Right, the brothers are sitting and eating bread. Along comes Midianites. They are going down to Egypt with a whole lot of spices. Third brother, Vayomir Yehuda Elechav. Yehuda now says to his brothers, Ma betza ki naharog etachenu vichisinu etamo. What gain will there be if we kill our brother and we cover his blood? Lechu. Come, let us sell him to the Yishmaelites. And our hand will not be, our hands will not be against him. He is, after all, our brother, our flesh and blood. The brothers agreed. So you can see that while they were really, really angry and they were jealous and they wanted to kill him, when it came to the actual deed, they, they, they held back. Okay, Ruven wants to save him. Shimon is the only one that throws him. Yehuda now decides, let's sell him. So let's go look back at the verse and see what it says inside. Ma betza. What, what, um, what gain will there be? Now, the word betza is spoken about a lot in the Mepharshim, in the commentators on the Torah, okay, because the word betza is also related to the verb batza. Batza means to break bread. So when they sat down to break bread, as they were about to recite the blessing, Hamotzi, Yehuda said to them, what kind of betza bread baking will there be if we kill our brother like what are we doing so the first insinuation was this it happened while they were breaking bread butter also means to rob if you look into Hillim, it says god despised botsea a robber's blessing 
Meaning what? If somebody robs and then blesses God, you go in, in, into somebody's house, you steal um, some goods, you sell them, you buy food um, and from, from the proceeds of your robbery, and then you want to bless God. Is that allowed? Definitely not. Um, it says Hashem despises one and doesn't accept his prayers. And this is the same with all other sins. So what Yehuda was really saying, what robbery, okay, what robbery it will be if we kill our brother and rob him of his life? Like what point, what, what are we gaining out of it? Because anything that we think that we're gaining is tarnished because our gain comes from a sin. So what is it that you think that we're doing? Another commentator takes the word better, which is three letters, bet, tzaddik, and ayin. Okay? And um, it says that better is an acronym for boker, soharayim, and erev. Morning, afternoon, and evening. What was Yehuda saying to them? Ma better. What is, what is this gain? He was saying to them, what are we gaining from praying three times a day? You know, we're showing the world that we are um, faithful servants of God. We are praying to God like our forefather Abraham and our, our grandfather Yitzchak and our father Yaakov. We know that each of them started one of the prayers. Abraham started Shachrit and Yitzchak um, introduced Mincha. Yaakov introduced Mariv. What's the point? If we sit and we, we daven, what will become of our better if we kill our brother? How do we have the audacity to stand before God in prayer three times a day when we have become murderers? Now, very interestingly, another um, interesting uh, fact about these verses is that when they saw the Ishmaelite um, caravan, it says they were carrying spices and balsam and something called labdanum. Now, normally, normally Arab caravans would be carrying pitch and tar and hide. Now, what's the difference between spices and balsam labdanum? And pitch tar and hides. Well, for anybody who deals with any, any of these items know that pitch tar and hides has an awfully, awfully bad smell. Spices, balsam, etc. are very fragrant. And so we are told that in honor of Yosef, a spice caravan happened by because he, because he was a tzaddik, he could not be able or did not have the um, the, the schut to travel, not, he, he would have the schut to travel with pleasant smelling things, not with vile smelling things. Also, um, one of the other things the Midrash says is that the caravan drivers had a bad body odor and these spices hid the whole thing. So just the quality of the spices is telling us that God intervened and that, in fact, something that was nice smelling was coming. Because, in fact, Yosef was a tzaddik. He deserved to be 
um, be protected from the terrible smell. Now, one other thing that the Torah mentions about the fact that they were breaking bread was that as a result of their action in saving Yosef, so to speak, they would have an abundance of food, and even though there would be a great worldwide uh, document, a worldwide famine, that, um, they they would land up having enough 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 bread. So again, here we go and see good comes from good. Um, just one other thing that the, uh, another commentator on the midrash brings. And that is that they went and said that Yehuda said to the brothers, again, what gain will there be if I kill our brother? We cover their bloods. What benefit will we have of it? There's three motives generally for murder. Either to steal the victim's money or belongings, or you hate them, or for the murder to gain some type of um, of becoming famous. He just wants to be put in the newspapers, Right. And, and Yehuda was basically saying, look, we don't, we don't want any of them. We can't kill him for his money because he doesn't have anything. We can't kill him for, because of hatred, because even if we don't like him, he's still our brother. And, um, we're not killing him to gain, uh, notoriety, okay? Because we, we have intention to cover up his blood. And if we are trying to conceal the fact that we have murdered him, then no one will know about it. So, this whole idea is a bad idea. Let's just sell him to the to the Ishmaelites. And that, in fact, is what happens if you see the word nimkarenu, okay? The Torah doesn't have any vowels, so you could also read it nimkarnu. We have been sold, meaning come, we will have been sold to the Ishmaelites, which means what? That if we... Um, go and commit um, fratricide, we go kill our brother, we are going to land up being sold to the Ishmaelites. How? Because he remembered what happened to Noah when, um, when, when Noah's son committed a sin in, hope, in the hope of gaining status. What did he do? He cursed Canaan that he'll be sold as a slave. So that was even on top of it all. You're saying, let's not do that. Otherwise, we ourselves will be sold um, to the Ishmaelites. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Let us finish up by saying one more thing. Why did the brothers listen to Yehuda and not to Ruvain? Well, Ruvain, Ruvain, Ruvain's advice was, was really timid, right? In either case, whether they killed him with their hands or let him die, he would not have lived. Yehuda's advice made a lot more sense. It was far more imaginative. It was far more bold. Okay? And really, Yehuda argued one other thing. He was saying, if we sell him as a slave, his, his life will be a life of suffering. And that's more than sufficient to suit our purposes. Because guess what? His dreams will never, ever come true. And we'll be rid of him and his dreams. Other Mephoshim go and say that Yehuda took a different approach. He went and said, you know what? Our father is a great prophet. And as soon as he is consoled, consoled over his loss, he will experience prophetic spirit and he will know that we killed Yosef. And what gain will there be if we kill our brother and cover his blood? Because in the end, our father will land up knowing all about it. So the best thing to do is sell him to the Ishmaelites. Father won't know what happened to Joseph. 
He will never be consoled. And when a person is in a state of sadness, one does not experience prophecy. And what happened to Yaakov? He remained in a state of mourning. So our father will never experience the divine presence. He will never find out what we've done. And truthfully, Yaakov was right. Because until Yaakov received the news that Yosef was alive in Egypt, he mourned for his son and he did not experience the divine presence. You know, when God forbid somebody is put in a position where there is a death and you don't see the body, you don't have finality, in a sense it's hearsay. Um, it's, there's an assumption you never ever find, find peace. And that was the clincher for Yehuda, stopping the brothers from killing Yosef. This has been 101.9 Chai FM with me, Edel Kozilski. Chodesh Tov, Shavua Tov. I will see you again next week.